Welcome to episode 74 of Crack the Customer Code, the podcast all about how to deliver great experiences and exceptional service to your customers. I'm Jeannie Walters, and I'm extraordinarily happy to be here with my exceptional co-host, Adam Toporek. Adam, how are you? Feeling exceptional. <laughs> you should after that intro. <laughs> oh, it's because it's like I'm your only, you know, partner. So this is all I, I get the compliment only because I'm your only. It's like this is my favorite son. That's what my mom used to say. I'm her only son. Yes. I say that to my sister, too. She's my favorite sister. <laughs> She's <Yeah>. the only one. <laughs> That's why I keep getting these accolades by default. <laughs> I want everybody to know that. <laughs> oh, come on now. Just accept a compliment, for goodness uh, sake. Well, we've got a great show with Denise Lee Yan, and she has her book called Extraordinary Experiences. Or That's It's right. about extraordinary experiences. It is, it, and it's all about the retail and restaurant experiences of today and how to really apply certain principles to make sure you're delivering an exceptional experience. It's really cool. We had a great conversation. I'm really excited to bring that to everybody. But Adam, I think you have something to say first. Absolutely. If you want to bring game-changing customer service training to your team, CTS Service Solutions offers a half-day in-person workshop designed to motivate and educate your customer-facing team members. Using energy, excitement, and interaction, our workshop helps frontline teams embrace a customer-centric outlook. Then, using the principles from our book, Be Your Customer's Hero, gives them the skills and confidence they need to handle any service interaction. Don't leave your frontline team hanging. Give them the Don't training. Don't leave them hanging. Don't leave them hanging. <laughs> Give them the training they deserve. Learn more at CustomerHeroWorkshop.com. That is CustomerHeroWorkshop.com. And if you'd like to reach the specialized audience of customer service and customer experience leaders by being a show sponsor, you certainly can. Go to CrackTheCustomerCode.com slash sponsor for full details. So Adam, we discuss extraordinary experiences a bit on this show and today we have the woman who literally just wrote the book on the subject. <laughs> she wrote the book on the subject and she used Red Bull as an example. So we are all <laughs> happy about our interview with Denise. Yes. So Denise Leon is a leading authority and in-demand speaker on building and positioning exceptional brands. Denise is the author of the best-selling book, What Great Brands Do, The Seven Brand Building Principles That Separate the Best from the Rest as well as her most recent book, Extraordinary Experiences, What Great Retail and Restaurant Brands Do. She explores how business leaders address the unique challenges and exploit the unique opportunities of the physical retail world to build great brands. We're thrilled to have her with us, so let's go ahead and listen in on that interview. Well, thank you so much for being here, Denise. We're thrilled to have you. How are I'm you doing so today? I'm great, and I'm so excited to be speaking with you guys. Well, thank you. Well, I really enjoyed the latest book, and I think that we're talking about something that's really important. And one of the things that you mentioned is how brand building is kind of everything. <laughs> and can you expand on that idea and how that impacts a customer's experience? Well, you know, I define a brand as simply it's what you do and how you do it. So it really is everything, you know, um, you know, I think that sometimes people might think, oh, my brand is my name or it's my logo or it's my, you know, my look and feel or, or advertising. But really, those things are expressing your brand. What your brand is, is what you do and how you do it. And so customer experience is, is clearly um, a huge part, if not like the ultimate manifestation of your brand. Mm. 
I like that a lot. Well, that's great. And I know you discuss how great experiences aren't just about continuously adding things. And I love that message. Are people still doing that thing where they like put a period after word, like love period, that period message? Because <laughs> hashtag love that. I, I they really are now, do. Adam. <laughs> I don't know if that's still a thing. You know, the internet changes. I'm, I'm a little older and slower here. But you, know, you say things can be gained from subtraction and simplicity. So tell us more about that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think that great brands have the discipline to say no, um, primarily to say no to growth opportunities that may produce some kind of short-term benefit, but really rarely pan out to be a good idea in the long term. Good idea meaning profitable, sustainable, valuable in the long term. And so I think that a lot of times um, there are so, so many opportunities, and especially if you're an entrepreneur, you are not lacking for opportunities, right? The question is which opportunities are the right ones? And it's often un- understanding where to say no and, and, to, and to have the discipline to say no more than yes. And it all comes back down to your brand. You know, if you are clear about what you want to stand for, then every decision you make should reflect that. Well, and it reminds me several years ago when uh, TNT, the cable channel, decided that they were going to be all about drama. Mm-hmm. They, they dropped their highest rated show, which was actually uh, WWE wrestling, (laughs) because they decided that didn't fit with their brand. And it was a huge risk. And everybody was talking about how, how can they do this? This doesn't make any sense. And they were saying, but we know who we are now. And so we need to live up to that. And so now you see that they know exactly who they are. And you Mm -hmm. can watch basically every version of Law and Order 24 hours a day. So, <laughs> hey, I actually know some people that are all about drama. It's not just networks. <laughs> Good point. Excellent point. Excellent point. So, I one of the other messages that I thought was interesting, and I think this is something we talk a, about a lot just when we talk about customer loyalty and everything, it's so hard to get over that message of constant acquisition. And we are taught in business school, you know, it's all about sales, it's all about acquiring customers, it's all about getting all those things and it's so hard to say to an organization that might be growing, don't chase customers. Mm-hmm. And so what do companies like Costco and Red Bull do that other brands are, you know, who are growing can actually learn from? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that they, again, are willing to be for some people and not for others. So in the case of Red Bull, you know, when when they started, they positioned their brand as the super exclusive, ultra premium, um, high priced beverage because they wanted to be known for something. Um, and um, there's this great quote by Dietrich Mateschitz, the founder of Red Bull, that says it was just as important to him that high school teachers hated his brand as it was for their students to love it. And I love that quote because it's so, it's, you know, it's so like characteristic of Red Bull in the sense of, you know, we don't care if we're going to offend some people or alienate some people. We know that those people who love us are going to go out of their way to buy us. They're going to pay more for us and they're going to tell all their friends about us. Mm. And so, you know, they were willing to kind of say, you know, um, we're going to stand for something clearly. And that's a very different strategy from their closest competitor, Monster Energy, um, that used a much more mass market, low price positioning strategy where they tried to appeal to everyone. And from a sales standpoint, both brands, I think, are pretty comparable um, in terms of number of units they sell. But in terms of profitability, the amount of money that they make on those sales, Red Bull is far more profitable because people are willing to pay more for them. And they have those kinds of customers in their pocket. 
And you can't see me right now. Jeannie can, but I'm like, <laughs> I'm petting my Red Bull can. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's a little scary, Adam. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, they've got a customer. I actually discovered them. I, I, I want to get the date wrong, but I think it was like 1999 when I was in England. It was before I was even in the States. I was like, what is this nice elixir that keeps me awake when I'm driving? <laughs> Full of high fructose, who knows what. Right. Exactly. But yeah, they've done an amazing, they really have done an amazing job branding to your point. And they are sort of a leading edge type company. And I know you've spoken about retailers and in-store experience and I come from a retail background and I'm fascinated with all of the things that are going on right now. So tell us a little bit about what retailers can offer for their in-store experience in today's hyper, super charged up digital world. <laughs> oh gosh, there's a lot. I mean, you know, one of the principles I talk about in my books is great brands sweat the small stuff. And what I mean by that is that they understand, you know, the great brands understand that, you know, they can make big, bold promises in their advertising, but when it comes down to it, it's the small things they do, the little things they do for people in person, in their customer experience that really make the biggest impressions. And so, you know, whether it is, um, you know, coming up with a, a certain signature fragrance like the Westin and, and Starwood Hotels do for their customers, or it's on um, the certain kind of music that Macy's plays in their millennial department. Um, all these little details, um, I think, make the shopping experience really like have this emotional connection, almost a visceral reaction from customers. And that is, I think, what distinguishes great, extraordinary experiences from those that are just that are just good. Well, I would, of course, wholeheartedly support that because I'm obsessed with what I call micro interactions, with our, which are those really small moments that make a huge difference mm -hmm. that are often overlooked. And if you don't proactively think about them and design the experience for your customer that way, it's really easy to have something be just kind of meh instead of be magical or special. So I love those examples because I think often audio and all those like other senses, sometimes those are ignored in, in store. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's really cool. I'll have to go check out the millennial department at Macy's. I haven't been there for a while. <laughs> yeah, they're doing this whole push around that market. And I, th and I just think that you, you will, I think you'll notice all those little micro interactions, the way they use technology, the product assortment, the way they display the products is all um, very intentional, very thoughtful. Mm -hmm. Very, very cool. And so what about, you know, recently there have been some crises and they get so much publicity. Things happen so quickly now. Things go viral. And so, for instance, uh, Chipotle recently had some E. coli concerns because yes. they, they locally source everything. And they're, so they were regional, but we all heard about it um, mm -hmm. no matter where we lived. Mm -hmm. So what can brands do to not lose trust when their brand promise isn't really delivered in those moments? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I think it needs to start way before any crisis happens. And I think that that's in part why it seems like so far Chipotle is faring okay. I mean, and the story is still unfolding as, we, as we're speaking today. Mm -hmm. um, so, mm -hmm. you know, who knows like what's going to happen. But I think right now they've built up enough of this equity and the loyalty among customers that I think most customers are like, you know, we're going to give you the benefit of the doubt and mm -hmm. um, we're going to stick by you. So, you know, you need to be thinking about 
shoring up that kind of emotional loyalty and um, kind of advocacy among your customers way before anything happens. And it's really only a matter of time before something happens to your business. I mean, it, it just is, you know, it's kind of a given fact at this point. Mm-hmm. But now but now that Chipotle is in their situation, I think that, um, you know, communicating transparently, kind of saying, hey, this is what we're doing. This is what we know. This is what we don't know. We're going to share as much as we can. Um, I, you know, I think that they also got um, independent advisors, food safety advisors involved, or, or I should say more involved in their, in their business. Um, you know, doing things that I think reassure people that they are trying in, in, in to act in their customer's best interest, I think is really important. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And that brings up a great sort of topic which is for brands and everybody's been saying this for a year with social media you know you don't control your brand anymore right Mm -hmm. somebody else controls it and obviously crisis communications and crisis situations are that effect sort of on steroids so Mm -hmm. as we wrap up here denise i want to get i i i I always challenge people with these reductive questions and i get because i get challenged with them myself and i like to like uh, pay it forward this is actually gotcha journalism this is gotcha journalism you're on the hot seat come on give it to me you can't reduce anything but if you could if you're taking your a new brand you know into the market and for the next five years what would you say the one thing they really need to concentrate on is gosh <laughs> no, you told you it was a reductive yeah, gotcha question yeah. i mean you know it sounds so basic that i'm almost uh you know embar- like i don't want to say embarrassed but i, I don't want to <laughs> apologize for it i think it is being really clear about what your brand is and then using that as a decision filter for everything you do whether it is designing your communications or designing your social media designing your website um or or your in-store shopping experience I think that using your brand as an instrument, as a, um, a decision-making instrument, I think is the number one thing that any any company um, can can do, should do. And if they do it, I think that ultimately what they'll find out in the end is that customers um, who that that brand identity resonates with are attracted to the brand and remain loyal and, as I said, kind of become advocates for your brand. Well, you see, it started as a gotcha question, but you pulled out a nugget of genius, which is... <laughs> Using that brand to filter decisions and to make yes. decisions. And I think that does, you know, that's a basic principle, but it's the one that gets, lo- I mean, one of the many that gets lost as people do that. There's so many things. temptations and pressures. And I think that that's why you need to be clear and committed to your brand. Yeah. And I think of how hard it is for me as an entrepreneur sometimes, just like you were talking about, to say no to what mm-hmm. looks like an opportunity in the moment. Yes. Um, and how that just, multiplies once you have all these layers and different locations and different agendas and everything else. So having that clear vision of who you are and understanding it, that's really what this is all about. And it seems so simple when I say it that way. <laughs> <But> <laughs> that's all. So I think uh, we, we learned a lot from this. I am really happy that you're out there talking about these things and writing about them because I think it's something that Every day, the expectations of customers are changing, and every day, we as customers are facing new challenges simply because organizations are not thinking about how can we deliver an extraordinary experience. So I I really enjoyed the book. I really loved having you on here. So thank you so much for being here, Denise. I enjoyed our conversation, too. Thanks so much, Jeannie and Adam. Thanks so much, Denise. And please tell us, uh, where can people find you on the internet? 
Yeah. So my website, Denise Lee Yon, it's D-E-N-I-S-E-L-E-E-Y-O-H-N.com um, is a great place to find resources like um, free chapters of my book and, and other things. Um, and then um, I'm also on Twitter. Twitter is probably most most active social media network. So um, and my Twitter handle is Denise Lee Yon. I would love to interact with people um, in both of those places. Well, wonderful. And we'll make sure all of that is in the show notes. Great. Thank you. Right. Thanks, Denise. Thank Take care. you. We hope you enjoyed episode 74 of Crack the Customer Code. You can see the show notes for this and all episodes at, guess where, crackthecustomercode.com. <laughs> Can you imagine somebody's been like listening to us for seventy four episodes? <laughs> yeah, you're still telling yeah. us the URL. Where so. are those show notes? <laughs> I wish they would tell us. <laughs> well, if you've been listening to us that long, then you've got time to give us feedback. So let us know because you know Jeannie loves feedback. <laughs> I do, and don't forget to subscribe and throw in a rating for us on iTunes or Stitcher. I'm Jeannie Walters. Sign up for customer experience webinars at cxwebinar.com and learn more about how to understand all your customer touch points at 360connects.com. And I'm Adam Tapore. You can connect with me and find out more about our customer service workshops, training, and my book, Be Your Customer's Hero, at customersatstick.com. That is customersatstick.com. Until next time, what am I going to say, Jeannie? Take care of yourself. And please take care of your customers. I like it. You feel the pleasing. Good experience. <laughs>